Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Today on Talk Tennis, our guest is here to share his tennis journey from everything from being coached by Maureen Connolly to battles on the pro tour to being the director of tennis for the number one resort in the world to writing and publishing his book, which is called Point of Impact. Welcome, Roy Barth. You already have given us a ton of knowledge. So I just wanted to formally introduce you and then we can keep going from where you started. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. I just got back from Keogh Island where I've been working my whole life and um, work with some um, adults. And then I worked with the juniors a little bit and then I came home. Nice. That's my retirement now. I don't have to worry about budgets, maintenance, shop revenues, cost of sales, expenses, you know, which I did for 42 years, but now I can do what I really enjoy, which is teaching tennis and um, helping the kids uh, get in good habits when they're young. I love that. It's really important to learn when you're young and and get in the right habits because once you get the habits, it's tough to change them. (laughs) Yeah. You're telling me (laughs) as I had a I had a rough day on the court today. So, well, what, did you make a lot of mistakes? I had one of those days where, like the the brain wasn't connecting to the body, so I knew everything that I was doing wrong. But I just was it wasn't it wasn't happening. It wasn't clicking. When when, when you're thinking too much, it's not happening. You go to two things. Even as a professional, you go to seeing the ball hit the strings. That's all you got to worry about. Simple. You got control. The only time you got control of the ball is when they're hitting it, not not when the other person looking at you. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So why are you scared of them? They're not hitting the ball. You are. So think of what you're doing in the moment. Stay in the present. Okay, that calms you down. That makes you relax. Instead of worrying about the future. And then footwork. Pick up your feet. See the ball. Two things, and then your game will go from here to here. Okay? Easy. It is easy. I know. No, I know. I know I'm like a spiraler and like I go from like I I'm one of the I think we all do this a little bit but I internalize everything and it's like all the things that I've made mistakes on and yeah so you, you're thinking of the wrong things yeah no no you should wait you, you gotta erase everything and just focus on you and the point of impact that's all you think about your mind is too scrambled oh a hundred percent too scrambled I haven't even seen you play yet <laughs> I guarantee you, your bobblehead, your head moves. I bet you anything, your bobblehead. Your head's got to be totally still as you're hitting the ball. You cannot be looking as you're hitting. Honestly, today the biggest issue was so for me, I have to be moving forward into the court, and my body, I was hitting off my back foot. So well, you're standing straight up. <laughs> that's probably it. No, I know it is because I see it every day. <laughs> you got to get down. You got to get in a low position, like a basketball. In defense, and you run low. You don't run standing straight up. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's how you solve that one. Any other okay. questions? <laughs> I know. You're gonna fix my life. <laughs> I can solve any of your issues. Tell me what you did wrong because you hit the ball late because you're standing straight up. Boom. <laughs> Tomorrow's a new day. Luckily. One problem solved. You get down low, 
hit the ball early, see the point of impact. How do you control a ball to a target? Do you know? Aim, <laughs> extend, follow through. That's good. Think about it's, it's physics. Wherever your hand goes, the racket head goes, the strings go, therefore the ball. So instead of wrapping around your neck backwards, you got to go forwards. Extend, yeah. And don't worry about going back. You're not that level. You got to go forward and direct the ball to a target. <laughs> yes. That's a timeless tip. I like that. That's true. I do have long strokes, so that makes sense. That's good. Okay, so I helped your game. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot of things that you can help me with. I know the common mistakes in the serve for everybody. You know what the common mistake is? I feel like I know that like a lot of people don't load this and they pull their head down and their toss is not great. You, you got it pretty much on, right on right on spot. It, it's with your tossing hand. You've got to keep your hand up. No, you got to keep it up. Yeah, a lot of people drop. Everybody drops their arm, which drops their head. Keep your arm up and then spring up so you can hit the ball above your hand. If you drop your hand, you'll let the ball drop. So just practice serving without dropping your hand at all. Yeah. Don't drop it at all. And you'd be amazed how you can hit the ball, reach up above your hand and hit the ball over the net. It's a miracle. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Everyone's got to come come hang out with you and get some tips. You really need to, you really need to come, come to Kiwa because uh, I guarantee you, You'll be famous by Friday. <laughs> you and I should no, we gotta get on the court. I'm actually a decent player. So <laughs> I have ability to pick key foundation points out. See what I figured out in teaching, everybody teaches a different way, a different style. So what I figured out is the foundation points that all top players in the world do the same, no matter what their style is. You got Sampras and Nadal. Two different styles, right? Mm -hmm. But I figured out what they all do the same. Federer and McEnroe, two different styles. And give you an idea what they are. They both get down low. They both hit the ball early. They all freeze their eyes at the point of impact as they're swinging. They don't look up as they're swinging. And they finish their hand out towards their target. Now, there's nothing to do with wrapped around the neck. Nothing. Right. A lot of young pros are teaching with the style, and they only teach people to wrap around their neck. And I ask the student, well, have you been taught to hit a ball to a target? No, they just tell me to wrap around my neck. Mm. So I'm saying is that you need the foundation point of going forward first towards your target. I, uh, I, I actually am on the same page as that. So when I do talk to people about hitting forehands, I talk about hitting like three balls in front of you. So you're hitting... You're, you're impacting and then pretending to hit through all the way. That's, that's that that tip is timeless. Right? See, I oh, got that is a timeless <laughs> tip. And you know how you do that is got you got to have your hand laid back for leverage. Your hands laid back. Yep. As you go all the way through the hitting zone, the palm of the hand leads the stroke. Yeah, I know. It's I was like, we don't have enough room in here. <laughs> I'm gonna get a racket. Yeah. <laughs> But I'll give you a tennis tip. So that's huge. People aren't doing that. They're flipping. Yeah. They're flipping and uh, the ball have no control. All spin, but no control. Yeah. Everyone's trying to do the Rafa helicopter. And yeah, yeah. But they got but they got to do the follow through first. The follow through is actually forward. It's the only time you get control of the ball is going forward. Yeah. 100%. People, 
that you're playing with will not be a Rafa. They can't do all that stuff. <laughs> so anyway, so th- those are the things I I um, really believe in. I was taught these things by two former Wimbledon champions. And so I'm passing on, but little Mo, Maureen Conley taught me. She never hit a ball right to me. She made me run the whole time, hit the ball on the run. And she taught me to finish my swing low to high and finish up my hand to the intended target without looking up. That's a secret. I like that. I hope that everyone that's listening to this episode has like a notebook out so they can take notes as we go. I'm giving you $1,000 tips. Both my parents played tennis. My dad was an electrical engineer and loved every second on the weekends and vacations. And he taught my mother to play and he taught my sister to play. And I was the last one in the family to play. But uh, I literally, uh, my mother would put me on a blanket with a baby with the rope around my waist tied to the net post <laughs> with some toys while she played doubles next court. Oh my gosh, I love it. I literally grew up in Morley Field in San Diego. And uh, I was lucky enough to take um, lessons from Marion Connolly during my development years of 12, 13, and 14. And um, as a favorite of my father, he used to play with Marion when she was a little girl. She uh, gave my sister and I lessons. And man, I learned so much from her. I can't tell you. Yeah, I was going to say, begin to tell us. And also, I mean, maybe it's because I have the female perspective, but I just love that you were coached by a strong woman and like learned so much. And especially back when she was popular, like men and women maybe weren't seen very equal on the tennis court. So probably not. Um, But she was the best player ever to play the game up to that point. Until she had a horseback riding accident when she was 19. Oh, the jakes. And, uh, and she severed her ankle and, and ligaments, and her, her career was over after her third Wimbledon and after she won the Grand Slam. She was the only woman in the United States who have ever won the Grand Slam in one year. And wow. uh, the, the post office service made a stamp in her honor this year. I use those stamps. That's what I was going to tell you. I have well, the little Mo stamps. Yeah. Yes. And I tell you, she was what made her be such a great coach in person. She was only the only positive thoughts. She never yelled at me or, or gave a negative thought in my brain. Nothing but happiness, positive comments, uh, very motivational, and uh, just got the most out of my ability. And uh, she taught me how to hit the ball in the run. A lot of kids today are going to these academies and they're drilling a lot of drill cross courts all day mm-hmm. down the lines. But when they get in a match, you have to hit the ball in the run. And it, to, they totally lose control. And so I recommend to, to really do what Maureen Conley does, make me run, how to hit the ball as I'm hit, running through the ball. It was a gift she gave me. Because I was able to do that my whole life, I'm in college and on a pro tour. And so I learned it at 13 and 14 years of age. And uh, how to finish my hand low to high towards my target. And wherever it ends up later, could hear, doesn't matter. Don't have to go back. Billie Jean never went back. Either did Chris Everett, Martina. None of them wrapped around their neck. You don't have to do that. <laughs> it just happens to be a style of the day, but that's it's not a foundation point. Right. The follow through forward is a foundation point. So that's huge. 
for those who are listening, they got a free lesson out of this. <laughs> so did you, I tell yeah, you. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to get a lot of lessons out of this, now, I think. Now, what I learned as I went along, the reason why I know where my ball's going is that my proof of vision, I see the sideline. So I know that there's a line. I just follow that sideline with my hand. So you hit the ball early, you can see where your opponent is. Hit the ball late, you're blinded. Okay, so the people who are always blinded are the ones who look up all the time. Hmm. Okay, and those are the ones who are standing straight up mm-hmm. and not getting down low. So you got to get down low first, hit the ball early, freeze your eyes and fall through. And you got to envision your target in your mind before you hit it. And then you go for it. Now write that down. I know. I was like, you're making it so simple. <laughs> and then we get on the court and we like to complicate things. So write it down and, and just do those things. Just get down low, hit the ball early with the hand leading. Freeze your eyes as your hand goes low to high towards your target. Practice down the line, down the middle, cross court. Just practice, put targets up and then you'll get it. My muscle memory. Simple. This is such an easy sport. <laughs> I taught a woman today who's from Indianapolis where I taught my first junior program. And she knows she knows the kids I used to work with 44 years ago, but that now they're grown up and have kids. And I had a great time talking to her, but she was taught the fancy wrap around the neck stuff and she couldn't do it. So I smoothed her out, smoothed out her stroke. I said, I want you to be a Chris Everett. You smooth out to your target. My God, she said, my God, this is so simple. <laughs> I don't have to think about so much. Just I'm relaxed now. So that's what I recommend for you. Okay. I like this. Simple. Anyway, so Maureen taught me that. She taught me work ethic. Mm-hmm. She taught me it's better to work more intensely in a shorter period of time. And I only have to two hours than waste your time four or five hours because there's diminishing returns and you'll get sick of the game. She said, get away from the courts and do something else. She also taught me to take breaks from the tour a little bit. So during the wintertime, during school, play other sports if you can, play basketball or whatever, be a part of your school. So I did, I played basketball. And um, she also said, emphasize, never let up in a match, never feel sorry for your opponent. (laughs) You can still be a good person and beat someone badly. She said, after the match, you you buy them a drink. Put your arm after him, but never let up because he can turn around to bite you and you can lose the match. Okay. Those are good, good advice. She also taught me to enjoy tennis, to, to enjoy the travel and the people, which I was able to do my whole life. I was able to, the best part of the, the game in my era was the people I met and the traveling throughout the world. So Maureen really helped me she, at a young age to enjoy the game. Yeah. She's a great person. I wish we kind of knew more about her and maybe I just need to do a little more research on her, but um, well, she's I've been helping a woman who's writing an authorized autobiography on her. Oh, cool. Maybe it'll come out next year. Nice. Um, an author is going to be, her name is Sally Cook. Okay. And since I know Moraine and the, the pro she took from and the pro's son, I'd led her on to talk to these people. She's got. She's really getting to the details of, of back behind the scenes. So I think you'll learn a lot about Maureen from that uh, autobiography. 
Okay, good. Yeah, because it seems like she's definitely someone that we could all still learn from. And even the lessons that she taught you when you were younger, those are super important, I think, for the players today. I mean, the up-and-coming players trying to be... Absolutely. Yeah. And and I was interviewed uh, yesterday by a 14-year-old boy who plays a little more tournaments. The parents started started a little mo club to keep the kids interested during the pandemic and they asked me if I'd be interviewed. And so they came up and he asked, he asked me a good question. Why was Marie Conley such a great player? I said, well, because she, she was self-motivated. No one made her, no one made her, she had no pressure from anybody else but herself. And uh, her work ethic was a big part of her success. And, uh, and she didn't like to lose, so she really worked hard on her game. And so the, those are two attributes of Maureen Connolly. It was her competitiveness and her, her work ethic and why, why she's such a great player. Her story, have you ever seen a movie about Marie, Little Mo? No. Go on Google. Little Mo. Name of it is Little Mo. Okay. NBC, 1978. Okay. You can get on YouTube. Okay, cool. And the and the movie starts with her having the horseback riding accident. Oh, okay. And it goes backwards from her career. Incredible story. She had quite a journey, and then she got ovarian cancer and died at thirty-four years of age. Ah, too soon. But she that's... left quite a legacy, and that's why I want to get involved with this little mo club because she meant so much to me. I want to pass on some of the values that she passed on to me as a child. For and, sure. And, and uh, I wrote about her in the book and uh, her legacy and everything else. But the next pro, when she moved, when I was 14, my dad and I did drive to Arizona where she lived for a weekend. She worked me so hard, I threw up on the court. <laughs> I love so those that, stories. That, she really worked. But um, the next pro was Les Stofan, who was a bit older and uh, was a former Wimbledon doubles champion of 1934. And she, he actually worked with Maureen a little bit, too. But he gave me the gift of how to watch the ball properly. Okay. <laughs> okay. We haven't forgotten that one. <laughs> and that's what all of you people are listening. That's what you're all doing wrong. You're all looking up doing the follow through. If, if, you, if you don't actually see the blur of the ball hit the strings, you're not watching it. And if you see the ball go in the net, that means that's why it's in the net. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So correct yourself. But he taught me how to, he said, the bigger the point, the longer you stay at the point of impact. Because that's what choking is. Choking is looking up. So it, 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 I'm sure you never miss an easy overhead, right? <laughs> never. <laughs> well, when you have a court wide open, what you got to do is keep your eyes up. The whole, never look down at all. It's not coming back because it's wide open. Mm-hmm. I'll guarantee you from choking. Mm-hmm. That was the best advice I've ever, ever had because it helped me in the college at UCLA and helped me on the pro circuit. So the many people point. like hit the shot and they're like looking already before they've hit it where it's going. So many people make that mistake. Everybody, millions, millions, millions. We all you know, done it. Well, you don't. Work. I can make a living in Moscow. I can make a living in in Paris. They all do the same thing. It's a common denominator in tennis. So Billie Jean King calls watching the point of impact, the essence of the game 
of tennis. I love that. <laughs> that means it's a whole game. If you're not looking at the point of impact, you're not playing the game. Wow. Never thought about those apples. That's powerful. <laughs> I want you to think about that. Don't worry about the results so much, winning or losing. Think about you focusing on seeing the ball at the strings. The winning will come as a result of that. Not by you worrying about it, but you actually seeing the ball at the strings. Well, and you hearing you say all this reminds me of something that I saw on your website that I absolutely loved about how tennis lessons are really life lessons. Yes. Yeah. And like something like that really resonates for me. <laughs> that's how it, that's how the book evolved. Because as I went along telling my journey, I, I put some life lessons I learned from Marine and then life lessons I learned from uh, Les Stofan. He told me that when you go back, when you start playing tournaments, a lot of people will try to tell you stuff. He said, just stay with the one pro that teaches you and don't try to change everything from what everybody says. Stay focused on what you're doing and who you trust as a pro. That helped me quite a bit. So Stofan, they both were very relaxed people, both were kind, both were positive. They were not drill sergeants. And I, and I got the most out of my game. So that's all I can say. And parents, I had the best parents in the world because they never got mad at me for ever losing a match, ever. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I wanted to win so bad. If, I, if they got mad at me, I would probably quit by the time I was 14. And I think a lot of kids out there feel the pressure from their mm -hmm. parents because they see a meal ticket for them. They see, oh, college scholarship. Mm -hmm. And that's putting the pressure on the poor kid. And the kids should not have that kind of pressure on them to get a college scholarship. That's not, that's not fair to the child. My parents never, ever put pressure on me to get a scholarship. I ended up getting one, but they, they weren't telling me I had to do it. I was going to say, maybe you can go into your experience um, as a college player. You played at UCLA where you were a two-time All-American. I sounded like you just kind of were always on this progressive rise with your career. Well, I was asked about how, I, how, how did I get from 12 and under up to the pro circuit? We go one step at a time, one point at a time, one stroke, one shot at a time. You can't look ahead. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And when you lose, well, everybody loses every week, so you've got to keep improving. Don't give up. Be a positive thinker. Keep improving. And then you'll slowly improve and you'll slowly go up in the rank. And my goal was try to get ranked the best I could each year. And I slowly kept rank, you know, doing that. I had natural ability in doubles. And I learned, Stofan gave me the gift of the, of the volley. And I was a great volleyer, so I excelled in doubles, and I won the national 13 doubles and uh, had success in 16 doubles as well when the nationals there. And that gave me confidence for my singles. So I, I advise people, especially the parents, to let their children play, play doubles because it develops your volley, your overhead, your return or serve, plus there's less pressure, plus you have a friend that you may have for life which I just, in fact, I just uh, met, met a friend, had played golf with him yesterday at Turtle Point at Kiowa. I've known him since I was 12 years old, Tom Gorman, and uh, played on the pro circuit with him uh, in 1970. We were number two in the nation. And uh, he went on to have a great next few years. He ended up being top 10 in the world. 
and he was not one of the top juniors. Mm-hmm. He, he got got approved later and later. But the point is, we he was in my wedding. We were friends all these years. So doubles is great because you have great friends and you're keeping your child from that experience. Don't just worry single, single, singles. You gotta have, have fun and play doubles. Plus improves their, improves their singles. There's a lot of good things. But also um, I broke my ankle playing last game of the season of basketball my junior year. So I did not have a good of a nationals, but I did well in doubles that summer. So UCLA took a chance on me because I was a really good doubles player. And then I, my singles improved as I went along. And then I ended up being number one at UCLA in singles because I played well in singles and doubles. So that was my journey. I mean, I, I excelled in one, but I got better in the other as I got older. UCLA, got, UCLA gave me the gift of being in condition. Conditioning was huge. More training once you got to college. I, I thought I worked hard. I did. I worked pretty hard on my own, but nothing compared to what a coach can make you do. <laughs> in two hours, you won't believe how much you can work in two hours. That's all I needed. And I beat people I hadn't beaten for years just by my legs kept moving in the third set. Simple as that. So conditioning is huge in college. And also the day, day practice. It'll, you're playing good players every day, which is great. Where in the juniors, you don't get to do that as much. So college was a great experience for me. It was tough. It was tough academically at the same time trying to compete. So I had to really discipline myself on top, called time management. Have, have the kids in high school learn study habits big time. Because if you go to college, you're going you're gonna to need them. As you know, no one cares if you go to class or not. When you go to UCLA, there's 100 kids in the class. They don't care. But you better be passing those classes or you won't be practicing. <laughs> right. And so I'm glad I had, I had a group of people, my little world with tennis, because it's such a big campus. I have my my world to focus on. And so um, so each level, I got a little bit better. But I was a very steady player. I think nowadays they're teaching the kids to hit the ball hard, hard, harder. And... I was taught to be steady Eddie. And when I was 11, my dad and I see how many balls I can hit in a row without missing. I hit 310 balls, 310 balls. I bet many kids nowadays can't hit more than 20. They're lucky. And what it takes, what he taught me was total focus, mentally to concentrate for 25 minutes straight. So I, I really learned at a young age how to concentrate in the match and focus every time I had a ball to see the ball hit the strings. Mm-hmm. As I got older, I could hit the ball harder, mm-hmm. and I was still steady. When I got older, I hit the ball harder. So at pro level, I'm still steady, but hitting the ball hard. So that's advice that I would say kids got to draw back in the power and try to learn how to be steady first mentally. Get the ball back 20 times, at least in a match. But I, I watch these juniors play, and they miss it after three balls. They're one out of 50 winners, and they think they, they have a great shot. <laughs> yeah. You don't win a match by hitting winners. You, you win a match by the least mistakes. Right. Yeah. So that's another jewel. Yeah. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> There's so many jewels in tennis that I learned along the way from different people. Also, you can learn different things from different pros and different people. 
I learned that. I learned from Maureen Connolly. I learned from Les Dolphin and then Glenn Bassa at UCLA. Great shape. Power, positive thinking. I love my ball. He kept saying, you never miss a ball. You never. And so in the match, I would never miss a ball. Power, positive thinking. It's amazing. Now, when you're playing a match, when you miss an easy ball, do you ever get disgusted with yourself? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if that's the easy answer. Yes. It causes you to miss another point or two. Oh. So you should never let one point go into three or four more. You got to quickly, you have a choice. You can either think of a positive thought or a negative thought when you miss the ball. If you take the positive road, you say, that's okay. I know what I did wrong. I didn't see the ball at the strings. I'll do it better next time. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, oh, I can't believe what a loser I am. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I keep missing that shot. That doesn't help you for the next shot. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's the. I learned that big time. Um, I, your brain can only take in one thought at a time. It's going to be either positive or negative. In tennis, you have to be positive or else dig yourself a grave. Yeah, so true. No matter what level you're playing. Yeah, I know. And, you know, some people definitely deal with uh, more mental barriers than others, but like even creating rituals to try and like break the habit of the negative talk or, you know, resetting after a bad point or whatever. Yeah, there's... It's very important. You can't, you can't let a negative thought creep in your brain. Tell us, no one else is helping you. They're all alone out there. Yeah. You don't want to give your opponent free points. You just can't afford to. You can't no. yourself. So you're really, one thing you'll learn, you're playing yourself in tennis, not your opponent. That means I want you to focus on the present, just like you do in your daily life. Instead of worrying about the future when you have no control over it, Worry about what you're doing right now and plan for the future. Yeah. And that's one of the life lessons I have in the book. So I've started writing life lessons as I did my journey. And I ended up with 20 life lessons through my journey. And then I got advice from a, a, a speechwriter, professional speechwriter for the Clinton administration who loved tennis. He loved my manuscript. He said, what you need to do is add on what you learned from your tennis world uh, what made you be successful at Kiowa for 42 years in the business world. So I went back to the drawing board for six months and I wrote another third of the book. I got like 20 business lessons that I learned from tennis. And so teaching pros can learn something from my book, how to keep a job when you have 11 different bosses over and four ownerships over 42 years. So there's, Things I played politically in the company, how I kept my job. I was going to say, I want to, I want to get there, but I did want to ask you real quick, just to go back from, I want to hear about your transition from college to the pros. Was that like a natural, like, we're just going to keep going because you're doing well, you continue to improve. Did you always decide that you wanted to play professional tennis? How did that look? Well, it just happened. Okay. <laughs> um, in 1968, I played the NCAs in San Antonio at Trinity College. We ended up coming in second to Southern Cal, our nemesis. Mm-hmm. And I got a telegram from Wimbledon saying I got in the tournament. Back then, you get in by rankings, national rankings, not, not by ATP. Mm-hmm. It wasn't formed yet. So right. I was like 13th in the nation, and I was the next one in line to get in. 
So I flew from San Antonio to New York to London, supposedly to play one of the top Americans the next day. Never, I'd never been overseas before. So no, think of the time change. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Yeah. That's uh, then, seven or eight hours. But what, luckily it rained, okay? So they were having one day of grace. The, day of the, the next day, I get up. I stayed in a small little uh, bed and breakfast place in Earl's Court. Once two right away from Barron's Court to go to Queen's Club to warm up, have lunch, a limousine to Wimbledon. Guess what happened? The subways went strike. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I, I read a sneak peek about this. <laughs> so anyway, that was that, that was the first year they had all the pros be able to play Wimbledon. That's the first open Wimbledon mm-hmm. ever in history. And I was lucky enough to play it when I was 28. I, I was a college player, so I couldn't accept the money. Okay. The prize money started that year. So a year later, I finished up my eligibility at UCLA in 69. I got in Wimbledon again, flew over, and I started playing for prize money for the first time. And all that summer, I played for prize money. Nice. But I, my motivation, though, was not the money. It was get the highest national ranking I could get. Mm-hmm. So when I was drafted in the military, once I graduated, I could be in special services and give exhibitions, that type of thing, instead of being in the front line in Vietnam. So I had an incentive to really work on my game, which I did have my best summer of my life. <laughs> but I played for my life. Wow. So then I went back to UCLA to finish up the last two quarters. And I wish I had kept going because I was playing so well, but I had to graduate. <laughs> and once I graduated, the lottery came into effect for the first time. And my fate was on TV. They drew, let me see, 100. They went up to 180 birth dates out of the hat. And if your birth date was drawn, you, you have to go in. Right. Mine was not drawn. Oh. My life is open. I'm free to play the pro tour versus going in the, in the military. So that's how it happened. It was fate. That's wild. <laughs> really, it's pure luck. And if you want to win the lottery, that's the one lottery you want to win. During, yeah. It's like during the Afghanistan war. It's like you'd be sent over in harm's way, and it's scary. It's scary. you know. And I really thank those who, who volunteer for that type of duty. I mean, they're courageous people, and it's scary anyway so um so I started playing professionally okay and, um that end of that summer I had my best summer of my life got to the fourth round of the U.S. Open and that when I was 22 years of age and I had no coach I was like you're on your own each night alone alone and just motivate yourself and mm-hmm. and a lot of parents will let their child go to tournaments alone sometime mm-hmm. and learn how to win all by themselves without a coach tell them what to do that's a huge uh, growing up time. If you're on court 20 in St. Louis, it's 120 degrees, you're alone in your third set. Only you can determine if you want to win that match. It's all within your soul. And that's what I learned at a very young age. I think a lot of the kids today are very spoiled. You see everybody's carrying their bags, parents <laughs> holding their bags, right? Three coaches behind them. The kids can't even think for themselves. Hate to say it. Yeah, it's okay. You can say it. 
Is that have you seen that? Have you? Have you... Oh yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, and you know, there's a there's obviously an exception exceptions to all the rules, but it seems more like that than. Well, they see the ticket. They see the financial ticket. They think they're fed the Kool Aid, thinking that oh boy, we're going to get scholarship. But don't put the pressure on those poor kids. Let them play and have fun. Let them have fun, or else they'll quit the game. Yeah. That's my advice to the parents. But the, but transitioning uh, was tough because all of a sudden, being one of the better college players in the nation, now I'm having to play the top players in the world, all different level. So, so much was conditioning. And now you have to travel every week. So you got to learn how to travel and compete. And that's alone, that's hard from mm-hmm. week to week. So it's a different lifestyle. You got to be mature enough to be able to handle that type of lifestyle. A lot of freedom, got to have discipline, and uh, but I was old enough, mature enough to, to handle it at the time. And then I signed a contract with this pro group. Lamar Hunt is a billionaire. He founded the American Football League. They have a Lamar Hunt trophy, but he signed up eight players one year. Then he signed up sixteen, and then he came up with thirty-two players, and that's when I signed. And they're all the top players in the world. Um, Rob Laver, Arthur Ashe, John Newcomb, Fred, all these top who's who at the time. And Lamar came up with 20 tournaments. He raised the level of prize money. He got it on TV and really impacted the game of tennis. The only problem for me is I had to play the top players in the world every week. (laughs) That was really tough. But how you know how I survived, even though I didn't win, win many matches, I came up with many goals, and you want to do this. Mm-hmm. You're playing the number one seed, right? Everybody freaks out when they're playing the number one seed. Yeah. Here I am playing raw labor, Arthur Ashe. You have to think, no matter what I do today, I'm going to do, I decided I'm going to go to the net every chance I get. I don't care, get, get passed. Mm-hmm. Once I did that, I played my game and not his game. And all of a sudden, I got to set up the guy. I raised my level. Because I was worried about me and not him. So give yourself many goals. Today, I'm do nothing but seeing the ball at the strings. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to worry about winning or losing or anything else. Game will go from here to here. I like that too, because it's controllable and you can like check it off. Like, oh, uh, yeah, I didn't win, but I did that. So good job. <laughs> I'm successful. Exactly. I and that really, I, I figured it out myself. And that's how I survived. So I had some really close matches that I barely lost. I had Bjorn Borg, two sets of love at, at center court at four, the U.S. Open in 1973, and he beat me 6-2 in the fifth. I won the first two sets at four all in the third, add out, I missed the return by half an inch. <laughs> but you didn't beat yourself up. <laughs> you no, moved I, forward. I could have, maybe if I could last until 7 o'clock that evening, they would have played the match to the next day. And I would have been fine, but two all, both legs gave out. I got cramps and I lost the next 10 minutes. And it was, so, it was 110 degrees of torture. And I was 25 in great shape, but he was fresh as a daisy. He was just incredible shape. Of course, the New York crowd's very understanding. <laughs> they booed me when I went off the court. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I don't but, think so. <laughs> so anyway, but that was my story board. Um, but I played up my ability and my body just gave out on me. Oh, that's a bummer. And all you can do 
when you compete is get the most out of your ability. Don't give up. Don't give, let your opponent have any free points. Don't get down on yourself. You got to stay positive. And that's helped me survive the pro circuit. And I had some good wins. I beat some really good players along the way. Um, Bob Lutz and Charlie Passerell and Stan Smith and doubles. I mean, a lot of good players. So, so you have a lot of losses, but you got to just keep moving forward and work on your game, you know, to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So um, there's so many facets to it. I mean, it's hard to put it all in one hour. I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, seriously, though. <laughs> but I think the like biggest thing is the pos- staying positive and controlling what you control and yes. keep moving forward. Again, life lessons here. <laughs> the, only time, the only time you have control of the ball is when, Michelle? When it's on your side. On your side. So yeah. why worry about the other side? Right? It's looking at you laughing. <laughs> okay? When you hit the net. Don't even look. And if you don't look up, you're not telling them where you're going to hit the ball. So and if, even if you hit a tune, they're shocked. They're not ready for the ball. And they're up. Actually, you don't realize, but they're at net thinking, please don't hit it to me. Please right. don't hit it to me. Like you may be scared up net. Well, they're probably just as scared. So just hit it right at them. How's exactly. That? I mean, I, I'm I'm all for that. Let's go. <laughs> but there's so many life lessons. Tennis taught me so many things. It helped me survive, get through some major surgeries, the power of positive thinking. It helped me um, get through some tough times at Kiowa when, when people were being let go and people were quitting. And um, I just laid low and dug in, got some mini goals and got some things accomplished and it worked. Yeah. I was going to say, let's hear about how you've created or you've created the best. You guys were ranked the best tennis resort in the world. How, tell me a little bit about that experience, how you ended up there. I've heard it's an absolute amazing place. I need to come visit. Yeah. You go online and check it out. Um, it started when we got ranked three in the nation by Tennis Magazine for the very first time. And my boss asked me, well, how, do, how, what can we do to get to number one? I said, well, I took advantage of that because we didn't have any awnings or benches or water on the courts. So I said, we need, we need every court. We need two wood benches, a water fountain and awnings between every two courts for one. And uh, that will really help. And um, what I what really did it was an instructional program is what did it. And what I figured out is that instead of teaching a style, we teach a foundation of a stroke. I sat down by two head pros and we came up with a template for every stroke, four key foundation points in sequence for forehand, backhand, serve, overhead, volley. And we all agreed that we would train the pros who we hired Mm -hmm. to teach the same consistent foundation points. And that turned the whole program around. Everybody thanked us. Everywhere we go, they said they always have a different style from one pro to the next. It's really confusing, like you said. So at Kiowa, you'll be taught the same foundation points that really matter. Um, And that helped us for the guests who liked us. We told them that if you like our program, please go online and rank us on the ranking. 
And so we got these people, each pro had eight or 10 people that loved him. You have eight pros, you have 65 people ranking. I have a following of 20. Also, we got 80 very positive rankings and get number one every year because we have really good trained pros. That's the key. And it took a while for me to figure that out. <laughs> you figured it out though. I, I think not many people have figured that out though across the rest of the country. <laughs> they just they barely hire the pro and get them out on the court. Mm -hmm. And I'm help, helping my son get a two week detailed training program that the pros have to go through the step by step before they go on a court alone to teach. Oh, I, I really like that. It takes time, but I'm, I'm that type of a detailed person and, um, and I can help the program going forward that way because I really believe in it. And the, the people love it. They haven't been emphasized. The things we emphasize, they haven't been taught it. People haven't taught to really see the ball at the strings. They really haven't been taught it, how to do it. They've been told, you know, watch the ball, but they haven't been told how to. Mm -hmm. We actually teach them how to watch the point of impact, how to do it without looking up the mm -hmm. perfect vision. We've bro broken it down to the details, so now they understand it. And then if they want to remember this stuff, I have an instructional manual that I've written that have 52 tips in it. And uh, it's my third edition over, over 42 years. Okay, wow. And someone came to me and said, well, we're, we're visual learners. Do you ever do a DVD? So I did that eight years ago. And I got nine key foundation points on a DVD. And they love it because I have my pros doing it. I'm commentating. And there's slow motion and arrows description of what the tip is on the bottom. So we've helped people. We give them the tools to remember this stuff because it's hard to remember it and go and leave the resort. That's how we've done it over the years. And then I, you know, I love doing this stuff. I love writing tips. So then I started writing my book. It took five years. Okay. And you just published it. It said October, 2020, I think. Around October 12th, I think. Okay, nice. That's awesome. Congratulations. And I have to say to everyone listening, and we'll link to the book and you have a couple chapters that you can check out. And I think once you, our listeners read the chapters, they'll be hooked and want to dive in. But you got a foreword from Billie Jean King. Yes. yes. That's pretty, I mean, like talk about a stamp of approval. Well, Bill, I've known Billie since I've been 13. Okay. The picture of my sister and Billie Jean King in the book in front of our house. She stayed at our house for a week in San Diego for a tournament. And she was like 17 or 18. And I've known her ever since. That's awesome. And I know her parents. And I know her brother. And um, I watched her play uh, up in LA Tennis Club, all mm -hmm. her big matches. And she's been very supportive all these years. And I, I have a story in the book. Um, I think it's in that chapter about Billy coming up to me after a match and she really helped me after I had a five set match at Wimbledon. So she's been a good friend for years. And, um, you know, when I had a major surgery and I was in the hospital, she heard about it and left a message on the voicemail. Wow. So that's the type of person she is. She's a good friend and she was, she was very happy to do it forward for me. So awesome. So that was good. Well, she's a giver. She's given so much back to the game. I've heard so many amazing things about her and I obviously know how much she's helped impact the sport for men, women, professionals, 
amateurs, everyone, but yeah, I've, everyone that I've talked to that knows her personally just says she's so special. And she's great. She's not stuck up at all. She just wants to give, 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 give for tennis. I love that. It's we need that. Coach. Yeah, she's wonderful. Her dad was a track coach. Parents didn't know tennis at all. It was all her when she was, I think, 10. She told her mother she wanted to be number one in the world. That was her goal. I guess, guess she did it. <laughs> German young girl. Yeah, I was like, well, <laughs> that was a good goal. No, she, she's a great athlete, great person. But um, so that's how she wrote the forward. And um, the other people who wrote testimonials were people who I played against and were involved in, with in different organizations. So I know very well. And uh, they meant a lot to me. So they also give me um, some comments about the book. And so what you were just mentioning, what are you up to now? We, you finished your book. I feel like there's probably going to be another book in the works for you. It sounds like you're always kind of helping people. Well, there's things probably in the book that I, as after it's been published, there's things I wish I would have got in. And so uh, my writing partner helped me a lot the last two years. So I'll write them down. Keep track of what you think, new stories that come to your head all of a sudden because we may do a second edition. We'll add more pictures and, and other stories. So um, I don't know. I, I, I'm right now, I'm you know, trying to uh, talk to different bookstores in Charleston. You know, I got a bookstore nearby already that's taken the book in, and I'm going to talk to the libraries in Charleston, San Diego. I'm going to talk to uh, book festivals in San Diego and Charleston that may be on virtual-type zoom type thing but I, I, so I'm, I'm doing that because i think there's so much in that book it's multifaceted juniors can learn from it parents can definitely learn from it college players can learn from it professional players can learn from it and then teaching pros can learn from it on how to treat the kids so i did it it's sort of my journey and it hits all those areas and then i go over some really good tips on what marine and and Stofen and, and Coach UCLA taught me. So I have a lot of stuff in there that I think it's for anybody who likes tennis, I think they'll get something out of it. I really do. It's my journey. And I really, you get to know me more a lot, what I went through in my life, how tennis helped me get through all those difficult times. It's amazing how tennis, you pull back, but you learn in tennis during tough times. Like, hang on, get crap. I'll never forget that tip. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> One of um, the tips I put in the book, um, when I was a freshman at UCLA, there's a former NCAA champion, Alan Fox, who was, I think, 10 years older. He lives in San Luis Obispo, where we live. Right. Yeah, That's I was going to say, I know Alan. <laughs> Alan's a good friend of mine, and he would go for his PhD at UCLA when I was a freshman. He would come out and just beat the hell out of me. And we both played very similar styles, but he was better at it. And he's tenacious in anything. He's steady as anything. And he, he grabbed my shirt. He said, you got to hang on like a crap. <laughs> never. He said, never, ever give a, anybody a free point. Ever. And that helped me almost beat Clark Gravener at Wimbledon. Oh, that's and such a good visual. Well, I'm doing a third match point. I didn't give him the match. So those are life lessons. Because at Kiwa, my boss resigned over the budget process. Everybody was quitting, leaving. I said, I'm not leaving. I'm going to hang on like a crab. I'm not going to give up. 
and I stayed with it, and it ended up being the best decision of my life. So tennis lessons are life lessons. That's all I can say. It's so true, though. We learn so much in this sport, and you've had so many great teachers, but you also are such a great teacher. I can, I mean, obviously, I don't know you that well, but just from this conversation, you have such an air about your positivity and keeping it so simple and controlling what you can control. I think we need more of this yes. in, in today. <laughs> it's too complicated. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to relax and, and control what you can control. Yeah. You can't worry about failing your, your partner. You can't worry about that. You got to worry about you and hitting the ball. That's all you can worry about. Keep it simple and hang on like a crab. I love that. <laughs> never give up on a match because you, you, you might be able to come back and win it. You never know. They may let up. You get back some confidence before you know it. You're even. And all of a sudden, momentum switches. I proved it. I almost won the match of my life because of it. It's unbelievable. And, um, I just kept trying. So that's another life lesson. I got it. In fact, I got it. let me see if I can find it. Oh, here it is. My writing partner was was great, and she loved the story about the crab. She bought me a crab. I love that, too. <laughs> that's awesome. See it? Yeah. So, when you did the visual, now I'm like, I'm going to start using that, uh, the crab. Yeah. The crab. You never let go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that just kind of speaks to the resiliency and, you know, all those years of traveling and just kind of having to find that discipline and hanging on when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I was really taught so many things by my parents, um, through all this, wasn't my nurturing of my parents. I wouldn't have been anything. My dad taught me, um, controlling my emotions he said, when your opponent throws his racket, are you happy or sad? So I'm happy. Well, do you want your opponent to be happy? No. So <laughs> then control your, your, and that made sense to me. Um, he also taught me you got to practice before I put you in a tournament or else we're wasting our time and the money. So those are a couple of things you really, were, you really believed in. And my mother just basically was more of a nurturer and she, um, Wanted me to make sure I respected women, be kind to people who are not as uh, fortunate as you are. And she taught me those those wonderful things in my life. And neither of them put pressure on me to win a match, not one time. And I thank them all the time today for it. But they both have passed away now. But they played, my dad played to, to it was 82, my mother told she was 86. Oh, so and cool. And she loved every bit of it. They love it, every bit of it, but they both, both are very positive people, very supportive, and helped me get in the tournaments because I, I liked it. I, I They didn't make me play. If, if I wanted to play, they let me play. It wasn't the other way around. And so I never felt the pressure. So that was a gift my parents gave me. Uh, and I wish the parents would do that to the kids today. Let the kid be a kid. And enjoy the doubles partner and enjoy traveling to tournaments with their friends mm-hmm. and have fun in tennis and not worry about winning, 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 all you know, that whole thing. Yes, those are good lessons. And then a quick question, because I know your son is now taking over your position at Kiwa. Um, I'm assuming you passed on all of these life lessons to your family and helped them be successful in their journey. Well, yeah, we, we treated our boys the same way my parents treated me. We exposed them to tennis, 
And as they showed interest, we would support them. And and they felt pressure just because they were our kids. So unfortunately, I couldn't change that. Um, but we had other pros work with them because it's hard for to listen to your parents. Just not just just what it is. Even though I was frustrated not being able to help them. <laughs> but they, um, my youngest son walked on at Clemson, and the coach told him, "You go back to your dad and get as much information you can from his brain." He said, "You're an idiot for not doing that." <laughs> he just nailed the wall. They just, you know, they out. It was too close to home. They didn't want to hear it. Yeah. That's now, tough. And the Clemson was a tough team. And and, uh, and my son really grew up during those years. But um, he didn't, you know, whatever pressure they felt was from themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't know what he wanted to do out of college. So he started t- teaching as an assistant. And then he had an opportunity to become a head pro at Kiowa. And my boss let him do that as long as my staff was okay with it. And if I handle it the right way because a lot of times companies don't let you do that but luckily he did and Jonathan made his own mark within the company of doing a good job and so I let him perform on his own without me over him <laughs> and, um, we had two tennis centers and he was a head pro at the other one away from my office so he managed it himself and uh, you know there's there's a balance managing your own child it's, it's not per- it's not that easy but we were able to do it, and um, people loved him. He's great, very outgoing. You learn a lot of the tips that I, that I teach, and um, and people follow him very well. So he's doing a good job. Cool. <laughs> well, I want to make sure that everyone listening gets a chance to go to your website because it's awesome. It's so informative. You have tips on there. You have links to your book on there. You have information about you on there. Um, so anything else that they should know, and it's www.roybarth.com. And we'll add it into the comments so everyone can just click and find it. It will be easy. No, I think that's great. Um, I hope to... Um... One thing's it's just a matter of taking the time to do it. Um, change out the tips I have on my blog. Uh, I have four tips there, and I would like you to memorize those tips and uh, watch the serve. Okay. Because I took a clip from my DVD in this in that DVD and put it on the website, and uh, and you can learn you can learn from my from my website. So I hope to put four new tips on that I, that I believe in that work for everybody. And um, so I'm, I'm going to be busy doing that, trying to reach out to this whole new social world that I'm not used to. <laughs> this is unbelievable. It's unbelievable, this world, but I love it. It's, it's great. Cool. Yeah. It's cool to connect with people that you probably wouldn't have connected with before. This book caused me to talk to people. My, my little devil's partner, Johnny Sanderlin's sister, was eight years older, was 21 when we were 13. And I, Hadn't talked to her. Now she's 81. Wow. <laughs> a 45 minute conversation with her about my doubles partner and, and her brother and San Diego. And it brought back so many memories. It was great. It was a lot of fun. So the book has really brought me back to my roots, you know, and realizing that you you should really engage your grandparents before they're they're gone. Because once they're gone, they're gone. And you really need to get it now with the phone. You should interview them and get them on tape 
about their memories of, of as a childhood, where they what struggles they went through, what was what was the value of gas during their year. <laughs> You know what I mean? And what was the thing, go, what was the technology back then? And learn the history of their life because it means so much when the kids grow up to know about the grandparents. And I wish I did that more with uh, my grandparents. And I, now that I'm looking back, I mean, now I'm, I'm doing, that's why I put as much in the book as I could for my grandkids. So someday when they're old enough to really appreciate it, um, they'll understand me a lot more and what I've done in my life and how much tennis impacted it. But um, it's a great sport. It, the network is incredible all over the world. I mean, it's just incredible. You've got people's jobs. I mean, just by meeting people, you don't need to be the best player in the world to, to be successful in the business that you're in through networking through tennis. My youngest son got a job with Medtronic's International Medical Supply Company it was tennis. It's wild. It's and it's like a small world, but like it's big. It's small but big. Yeah. So you can enjoy it in college or recreationally, but you can really get a lot out of the game. It's just a wonderful game. And there's so many wonderful things to one thing I do learn that to have fun in tennis is more fun to win than lose. I know that. Okay. I know that too. <laughs> so when it's hot, you're down, two all in the third. I used to play mind games. As a kid, saying, God, if I win this match, I'm going to get a million dollars. I've given incentives to myself. Nice. I had to play mind to make me try even hard, even though I didn't want to get off the court, right? So that's half the battle. It's a mind thing. So you got to play games with your brain to stay out there. It's a fun, it's all mental. So much of it's mental. It's unbelievable. It's all mental. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah, you might have that mental challenge, I think. I so oh I do. Sounds <laughs> like you fight yourself. So you gotta learn how to clear your brain. I do. I, I know. I think I just need to dive into your book and then take some notes and keep it simple on and off the court. <laughs> One thing at a time, just try it. Just try you next time you play a, a doubles match. All you gotta worry about is seeing the ball at the strings. Totally. Yeah. I'm going to keep it so simple. And then also another thing right now with everyone coming, you know, tennis is thriving through the pandemic and everything. It's just being super grateful to just be on the court has been something that I'm really trying to focus on too, and just be happy to be playing tennis. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, you get my book on Amazon, you can get it through Kiel's uh, shopping cart website and uh, you can get that with a signed autograph one. Oh, on Kiowa. Okay, that's one way to do it. Awesome. Or in the tennis shop, of course, on Kiowa, and uh, a couple stores in in the hotel, but mainly on Amazon if you want it real quick. Okay, yeah, do the Kindle. Yeah, yeah, Kindle. yeah. nice, <laughs> perfect. And, uh, read the reviews to get an idea what the what the book's about, what people got out of it. They all got different things out of it. It's interesting. Yeah, some, some love the story about. My doubles partner and I, when we were 13, some loved the stories about the business side of it at Kiowa because they knew me and they knew Kiowa and everybody has a different take on it. Some got the tips on it from the tips of people who I played against. So there's a good variety of things that you can learn from the book. So it was fun writing it, but man, it was hard. (laughs) Hey, if that's the hard part. But I hung it like a thread. 
Yeah. Hang on like a crab. I am literally going to start using that phrase. I've never heard it before. Yeah. And you've lived such an exciting life. I I can only imagine there's so many fun stories to dive into. So, yes. If you take one step at a time and don't look too far ahead, you can't be worried about college scholarship when you're 12 years old. You just can't. Just to improve your backhand and forehand. Yeah. We're on the consistency first. Try to get the ball back 10 times before you even think about hitting it hard. And then all of a sudden you'll see better results. Then you'll enjoy the game better. You're not happy unless you're winning. So do one thing at a time. The future will come as it may. Get good grades in college. Then you worry about your job later. Yeah. Get good grades. Get, Get a college degree. Then you can worry about the future later. <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me, Roy. This is such a fun conversation. And I'm so excited for our listeners to be able to hear some of your stories and then be able to check out your book and your website. And we're going to add all of that so they can access that however is easiest. I appreciate it. This means a lot to me. Awesome. Yes. Come back. Let me know. I'll be happy. Yeah, I know. We'll need a part two. (laughs) Once you read the book, you'll have more questions, I'm sure. For uh, sure. Dive into the stories and uh, talk about what it was like playing Rod Laver my first time I played him and and be on board what it was like playing against a future superstar and um, what I did mentally, how I handled that mentally. That's uh, that's actually those are great questions, obviously. But if anyone listening does have any questions for a follow up episode, please email us at podcast at tennis warehouse.com and we'll start compiling those and for part two. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with us and sharing all of your stories and your tips, your easy tips on keeping tennis fun and simple and not trying to do too much. Just control. You can control. My pleasure. Remember this. Yes. Crab. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Let me know how you do. Thank you guys so much for listening to that chat with Roy Barth. And we're really excited at Tennis Warehouse to be carrying his book, Point of Impact, and wanted to give you a special deal for 15% off of his book. So if you use the code TALKT, T-A-L-K-T, and buy the book at tenniswarehouse.com, you will get 15% off Roy Barth's book, Point of Impact. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you download your episodes. And be sure to visit our websites for all of the tennis deals at tenniswarehouse.com, tenniswarehouseeurope.com, and tennisonly.com.au. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, happy hitting. Happy hitting.